You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Okay, I might as well start it. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Once again, doing a Let Us Explain episode of the Pepsi Cup. It's the annual ball hockey tournament. This year is either the 10th or 11th consecutive year that we've done it. We've had about 15 tournaments now. We get together all the guys and we just have a fantastic ball hockey tournament. uh, And it's a lot of fun. So now I'm joined by the three other captains in the four-team tournament. That's Nate Ganyu, Adam James. Name's Corey Morrell, so let's just uh, let's go first to Corey. How are you? Then we'll go to Adam and Nate. I'm not too bad, Chad. Um, I'm excited for this year. I honestly just can't contain my excitement, to be honest with you. If you ask me how I'm doing, I'd say I'm 10 out of 10. <laughs> Adam, what's up? Yeah, no, uh, pretty much the same, man. I'm just super excited for another tournament. Another team to go with to the Pepsi Cup, and just it's it just uh, Gets you excited for the whole summer. You're just ready for it. 100%. And Nate, how's it going, man? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, guys. So what I wanted to do uh, for this episode here is this is mostly tailored to the guys who play and, you know, people who are also interested in the tournament uh, as well, I guess. And if you want to watch the YouTube video from last year, it's up on our YouTube page at Boys in the Booth. We're going to do another good one this year as well. Um, so what I wanted to do. Uh, was go through all of the rules and kind of just talk about what they are and what the rationale for them is. And then with the three of you uh, and having all the four captains here, if we have any rule changes that you want to propose, now is the time because you can make the argument for or against. So if if you guys are okay with that, I'm going to jump right in. Huge shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets. SeatGeek makes it extremely simple to buy tickets to all of your favorite sporting events, including Jays and Leafs games, and you can always find a great deal. On SeatGeek, all tickets are scored on a scale between 0 and 10, so you know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. Green is good and red is bad. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Summer is here and you know what that means. Extreme sports like spike ball and road hockey have returned and so is day drinking. The problem is we're not as young as we used to be and these summer activities can be draining on our bodies. When you push your body hard or just feel run down, it's extremely important to stay hydrated. When you make hydration a priority, it helps you feel healthier on a day-to-day basis. Enter Liquid IV. Whether you're playing sports or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. The kicker? This stuff tastes good too, guys. Liquid IV has incredible hydration flavors like watermelon, strawberry, pina colada, and more, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. 
So get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth in all caps at checkout. So that's 25% off anything when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth, all caps at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Shout out to Cocktail Bomb Shop for sponsoring the podcast. Cocktail Bomb Shop is a Canadian woman-owned small business and all of their cocktail bombs are proudly handmade in Montreal. Well, what is it and how does it work? Step one, you pick your favorite flavor of cocktail bomb and unwrap it. My favorite is definitely mojito. Step two, drop your cocktail bomb into eight ounces of sparkling water and watch it fizz for five minutes. Step three, add a shot of your favorite alcohol, some ice, and enjoy it. Fellas, gents, boyfriends of the world, these cocktail bombs make the perfect gift for your lady friend because not only are they tasty, but they're Instagrammable as well. Right now, if you go to cocktailbombshop.ca and use the code BITV15, you can get 15% off your entire order. That's cocktailbombshop.ca. Use the code BITV15 at checkout for 15% off. First rule of the tournament, there's a 30-minute time slot for each game on top of a five-minute warm-up and a five-minute break in between each game for that warm-up. Is that okay with everybody? Starting easy here. Yeah, no one's, so. no one's got any complaints about that. Okay, this one, though, number two. Honestly, rather longer, but I'll take five minutes at least. Yeah, okay. Number two, there might be some complaints about this. Two consecutive 10-minute periods running time. The time will only be stopped during the last minute of the game and the last two minutes of each period in the semifinals and finals game. Does that make sense? Any complaints about that? Nate, what's up? <laughs> yeah, so the, the minute of the last game and round robin, I think that should just be scrapped. Just run time. <clears throat> and I think traditionally that's kind of how we've done it in the past. I don't think we've enforced yeah. this rule, but... Do you, so are you guys okay with that, Adam and Corey? You want to keep it yeah, running yeah. time for, for uh, yeah. ro- round robin? On robin. Okay, we'll do that. I'll scrap that then. The last minute of the game will not be stopped until the semifinals and the finals where the last two minutes of each period will be stop time. The tiebreaker. Five-player shootout in round robin. After all five shooters have taken at least one shot, the team captains will choose any shooter on their roster to shoot, and they're bound by no particular order. Does that make sense? Are we okay with that? Nah. <laughs> Change it to three. Okay. What do you, what do you guys three, think about that? Three and then anyone? Three and anyone, yeah. I'd be good with that, too. Sure. I think the only reason why we did it was so that way everybody could get a touch. So yeah. I'm fine with three. We're we're big boys now, fuck. Yeah, why not put the the three best in it and just keep going with it and get it yep. done quick. Okay, all right. Change to three. Faceoffs. This is rule number four. Will be at the beginning of each period only. Any problem with that? Probably fuck not. no. Okay. Number five. This has recently changed from last year. Nate and I talked about this today. Um, this, there's just a small detail that we added. After a goal, so if a goal is scored, the team who scored must give their opponents half court. That's been in the rules uh, for a while. Then once the team with the ball crosses their own blue line, then the attacking team can force. Following, that makes sense to everybody? If the team with the ball 
following a goal does not proceed in a forward motion within a reasonable period of time following the goal, reasonable to be determined by the referee, then it will result in a turnover of the ball to the other team will then have to exit their zone following the same rules as above. That's the new addition to this rule. Do you guys understand? Is Yeah, see, I'd just rather after the certain period of time that uh, the guys can just forecheck. Yeah, that's I'd give that as well. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever the time limit is, as soon as the guys are over that, just allowed to forecheck at that point. Yeah, because the guys, like, everybody's going to be screaming at some point anyway if it's taking too long. The like, guys are going to start going, okay, like, what's going on here? And then, like, at that point, it's too long. Like, they should just be able to go in there. Okay, so you guys all said the exact same thing then. I'm clearly on like the opposite side of this argument, so I'll I'll concede. What do you want to say then? Like do you want to keep it Go ahead. Oh yeah, so like how well you said that the blue line you can rush at the the from the red line, so like once they stop a forward motion, so whether it's going backwards or stop like walking, then the other team can rush. That's kind of how I would put it. It's only happened a few times, and I don't think it'll happen too, too much, especially with the rule in there. But, like, as soon as the, the feet stop, just like a shootout, you can't go backwards and you can't stop. Okay, so if once a player stops, th- do we want to put in the rules you can, you can force, or do we want to have a ref call it after, say, three seconds or something and say, okay, you can rush? Or, or do you want to have it just when the player stops? Because we got to think about how this is going to be enforced, right? We don't want Caleb to have to do a bunch of extra work, right? But we also yeah. want it to be fair and called the same way every time. Yeah, I think it's it, it more or less usually comes down to the last minute when it's a one-goal game and people are slowly ragging the ball up, I think is the only time this becomes a problem. See, I think if... Adding to that, Nate, I think if you add a, a seconds rule, it'll be better because like uh, one, two, three. Yeah. And yeah. If, like, let's say someone's kind of slowly walking up and then the ref calls it. And then let's say the other team scores on that. It's going to be this big controversy where if you just say, okay, your five seconds is up, you got to, like, you're, you're allowed to charge now. You can't say anything after that, right? Yep. Oh, so would you say like five seconds to get to the blue line and if you're not done by the five seconds then they can rush you is five seconds enough to get the ball collected and everything i was thinking like eight seconds i think it's gonna in actual gameplay i think it'll take longer than five seconds even if somebody is just like doing a steady pace yeah so i think like maybe like eight seconds eight to ten anywhere in there is probably fair like actual game pace yeah i like seconds i like eight okay so now the only thing is, is is Caleb going to go one, two, three, every single goal and every single coverage? Or is that something that the other team has to do once they hit the red line? Like once the defending team hits the red line, then they can start counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three out loud if they are wanting to rush type thing. No, see, I, they- see, I don't like that. I don't like the other team counting because it's going to be a heightened pace every time, especially in yeah. like finals games. I would like yeah. Caleb to count it, but I wouldn't want him to count the entire eight. I'd like him to say like the last three. Yeah. Okay. Or the guys, I'd, like the guys that aren't playing count it too. Like somebody count it. Yep. 
Because then if, if someone's not counting it and the other team's supposed to count it, you can easily just skip a couple fucking seconds easily, right? And all of a sudden, you know, next thing you know, it's five seconds. You've got to go up the court. Like you guys said, it, it probably won't matter too much when we're out there. But like you said, Nate, when it is those like one goal games, like last minute kind of situations, then everybody can kind of have an eye on it and yep. yeah, the same page. So after eight seconds, you can force. It's not a turnover. We're okay with that. Yeah. Every time exiting your zone, you only have eight seconds, um, including if you stop, right? If we're implementing a timing rule, then you're allowed to stop and do whatever you want in your zone as long as it's within the eight seconds, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I think for like Caleb's point of view, only to really be doing this for the last minute of the game and like stop time in the second or in the semis and finals. That's the only time you really would have to do it. Exactly. Cause like you said, we'll be able to gauge if somebody's just kind of moseying along in the, like the back court. Well then, yeah, like you can force them if you think it's been long enough, but I think it'd only be a problem in uh, those one or two full games with the last couple minutes. So shouldn't be too much more work for him to do. Finals, you're really, when he's really going to have to count it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm I'm fine in round robin if he's he's like loose on it or whatever. It's not a huge deal in round robin. Everyone knows Nate. Nate knows especially round robin doesn't mean anything. So we're, right, yeah. We'll and we've that. got we'll a couple that. rules built in now that we're trying to to implement to make round robin mean something because we all kind of realize that it doesn't. So we'll get to that. Uh, as long as we're okay with that eight second rule, I'll get it written down after this, and I'll post the newly updated rules for everybody to read, um, so we can move on now. Uh, number six, penalties will result in a penalty shot. That's always been the rule. Regular hockey rules apply. High sticking the ball will result in a penalty with no warnings. Any disagreements with that? Uh, yeah, I like the warnings. Okay. One warning. You want to do like one warning a game? Like Caleb can give out like one warning each yeah. team, like if they do it kind of thing. And I think we had what one warning for the whole tournament last year. And it like came down to one team had a warning in the finals and the other team didn't. Yeah, so are we saying know. one warning per team? Is that what you guys are proposing here? I was saying one warning per game. Well, we could do like, yeah. Well, what we could do is maybe like one warning per team during the round robin and then like semis finals, like going into it, like you get your warning at the start of the game kind of thing. Like it's the semifinals, it's the finals now. Like this is your warning. There's no high sticking. You've had three round robin games to figure it out. Don't do it. Okay. So, yeah. I, what if we do yeah, like be. like you get one warning in the round robin and one warning in the semis and finals? Like it's almost split up. Adam, why so, do you want so many high sticking warnings? Do you plan <laughs> <laughs> like do you plan on using your stick here? Like what's going on? No, I'm just saying like you can't just not have a warning because like obviously sometimes you think it's going to be close, so you go for it. And if you go for it and it's not over your shoulder, but the ref thinks it is, and then you just get screwed out of that, that's why I think there should be warnings. I would be fine with it being um, like the high sticks when it's whatever the shoulders. If it was above your head, like it has to be clear cut high stick. Like yeah, that you're going to say that. And not just like it's going by or whatever, and you kind of not knock it down, like that sort of thing. I think, I think that would be fine with no warnings. So, like, if it's, I mean, we are trying to eliminate losing teeth and whatnot, but 
if it's close, it just there's no call. But if you're reaching up to stop the like flick down or whatever, then that's that's like a high stick and you call it down. Yeah. I'd be down for that. So you're saying like if someone's uh, trying to tip a ball and let's say they're over their shoulder but barely, you're not gonna be pissed about that if it's a goal and they tip it. Mm, well, goal. I mean, do you have to keep it under the crossbar like regular rules or? So yeah. we're talking. Yeah, we're like, just listen. talking like regular play. We're trying okay, to keep okay, this. Nice. We're trying to make this easy for Caleb to call too, right? And. Yeah. So we're we're trying to make it easy for a ref to just be able to point out like that's a high stick, that's not. Like clearly it's going to be to his discretion and he's not going to be calling like cheap calls. He barely is going to make any calls all day long, right? But if it's egregious and if it's above his head, uh, above the guy's head, he's going to call it. I think what we could do going back to warnings here is one warn- warning per team for the entire tournament. I think that's fair. We went from no warnings written here in in the rules. That might be too too crazy. I think one warning per team for the entire tournament makes sense. What do you guys think? I'm happy. That's kind of yeah. That's right. That's in the middle. It's just the yeah. yeah, The only thing I guess that will come from that is in the finals if you have one team that still does it, and you have that uh, like clear cut breakaway or whatever. Once you're in the two line pass and you flick it, and they still have that opportunity to like whack it down. That's kind of a game-defining call that might upset some people. But if your team's strategic and they leave it until the finals to use it, then I guess that's also part of... I'll probably pep me up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to fix that, we could just say no no warnings in the <laughs> finals because you've had a whole tournament to do it. But I think one warning per team per tournament is reasonable. That's kind of a healthy medium between no warnings at all and like getting way too many warnings after having played a whole day of hockey. Yeah. And like you, you just mentioned too, like Corey said, is you have one in the round robin and then the semis and the finals, you know, we're we're big boys. We should know the difference between a high stick and not a high stick. So it's gone. Yeah. Unless you played in the crease your entire career like I did. And I'll just have high sticks flying everywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Number seven uh, for the rules. Good, good thing we agreed on that. Number seven for the rules here is on goalie freezes. When a goalie freezes the ball, that team must be given the blue line. Um, so after he covers it, blue line, that's pretty standard. Goalies can only freeze the ball if a portion of their body is in the crease. Illegal freezing of the ball will result in a penalty. This was the Cascanet incident from a couple years ago that cost them the tournament. Um, so any problems with this rule? No, it's good. Um, the only thing that I would add into that is the eight seconds. They have eight seconds to reach the blue before you can rush. Just like, like a goal. So that way it's consistent. You guys agree with yeah. that? We'll have to the eight seconds there. Okay. Yeah. Next rule number eight is on fights. If a fight occurs where both parties willingly engage, play will stop, and the winner of the fight will be awarded a penalty shot. The winner of the fight will be decided by the referee and the referee alone. If there's no clear winner, then no penalty shot will be awarded. Agree with that rule? Yep. Yeah, but I want to clarify that if somebody jumps <clears throat> Like, what happens then? Because there's been a couple jumpings where someone just drops the gloves and then the other person is forced to fight. That's true, right? Well, if you jump, if you jump the person that. and then lose the fight, should that be two penalty shots? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's written in 
it, where both parties willfully engage. And I can also put in, in brackets, no jumps, if we want that. Okay, yeah. but then if we're doing that, we need to establish what happens when there's a jumping. <clears throat> How about a penalty for jumping? Yeah, I'm down for that. So I somebody be behind that. One. Okay. Yeah. Now nope. the only thing is, is Caleb going to be the only person to decide who's if someone jumped them or if it's a legit fight? Then. Well, if not, then it's going to be mob mentality, and that never goes well when you're trying to ref a game. So I would say if Caleb doesn't okay. see it, he can't call it, and there will be no penalties either way. Yeah, like so Justin Brown are jumping people behind the play. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I guess the, the, the easiest way around this is before the fight, you have to have consent. The boys either exactly. have to say, yeah, I'm in, or no, I'm not, and that's that. That's the easiest right. way to talk about that. Gonna have a Pepsi cup consent program so that all the guys understand. <laughs> okay, rule number nine, uh, out of play. And this one is a bit long and a bit complicated, but I think we are in agreement. I'll read it anyway, and then we can we can see if there's any disagreements here. Out of play. If the ball goes out of play, the player who shot the ball must retrieve it right away if the ball is in sight. Another ball will then be tossed into the, into the play while the player gets the original ball. If the ball is out of sight and nowhere to be found, the player may return to play without it. If this occurs, then the player must serve a one-minute penalty on top of the time he already spent looking for the ball. You have to go look for the ball, whether in sight or not. If this occurs, or, or sorry, if the ball goes off the goalie unintentionally and out of play, the player who shot the ball must retrieve it. In this case, no ball will be thrown into play, and the time will be stopped if it's in the last two minutes of a semifinal or final game. So, yeah, that last part you could probably take out. I think we've been pretty good with the people on the side to go get the balls that have been tipped yeah. out. I think it's been pretty good. And what Emerson's coming back to, so he's a ball. <laughs> True. Any any problems with that rule? How I read it. Uh, the biggest thing for me is that uh, making sure the person who shot it out actually either goes for it or takes the penalty because that gets lost a lot. And like realistically, for every single team, like all of our teams, that does get lost a lot. Yeah. Um, my suggestion for this would be. So I have about eight orange balls at the house. Um, if we could get more, it'd probably be beneficial. I think I might have more. But basically, when it goes out, whoever's doing the time, quickly look at it. Yeah. There's two, two minutes. Two minutes on the clock, whether or not you want to go look for that ball. Yeah. Or if you don't go look for that ball, it's two minutes, no matter how many times the other team scores. So that way you're giving them incentive to go get the ball. rather than. But the only thing is, if you go look for it and they don't find it, like then all two minutes, then I guess yeah, I don't know what you look for it for. Well, usually I'd say you'd look for it for like forty-five to a minute. You'd think it's kind of how long like a long one would take if you can't find it, and then like most of the time, and it's it it's really cleaned up now. Like you should be able to find every ball. The fence on the left with the goat pin or goat goat pen. Sorry. It's now a fence that you can climb through, 
and nice. everything's cleaned up behind it. So like it's it should be extremely easy to find the ball this year. So I okay. think if yeah, if you just if you don't look for it or if it goes into the backfield, which will also be very hard, uh, very hard to do this year because the transport we got that moved as well. Um, I, I think that the two minutes, if you don't want to go get that ball, I think that would be plenty. And if you are getting the ball, it would be easy to find if that makes sense. Like you'll see the day of when we get there that there should be no issues with getting the ball. Okay, but if we're doing that, we have to make sure that we have a guy doing the time every single time. Because there's been lots of times that we've flipped that away a little bit. And, oh, who's doing time? Oh, shit. Uh, four minutes left. It, it'll yeah. be it'll be Caleb this year. It'll be Caleb okay. doing the time and someone else doing the score. Because when you have someone doing the score and the time, it gets kind of confusing. But, Nate, I'm not sure if I want to do what you're saying. So you're saying that... No matter what, whether you retrieve the ball or not, there's a two-minute window. And if you don't find it, you can serve the entire two minutes. Or if you find it before the two minutes, you can come back. Or if you look for it and don't find it, you, you're capped at two minutes. Not sure if I like that because we already have a one-minute rule in place. So if you look for the ball for a minute and you can't find it, then you spent that time looking for the ball and then you come back and then you still have to serve a full one minute penalty that's how it's written in the rules so i like i don't what do you guys think do you want to do something where you're on the clock the entire time or do you want to do something that we already have in place where you look and then you serve your one minute penalty if you don't find it see the only thing with the one minute penalty is that a lot of the times guys will hop the boards and then just go right to the one minute penalty and not even care about the ball at all, because one yeah, minute they'll look for like ten seconds and be like, "Oh, couldn't find it. I'll take my minute." And it's only like yeah, a minute. exactly. So I kind of get what Nate's saying. So you're saying two minutes to make it so that okay, that's a longer period of time. You're going to incentivize players to look for it for longer. That's what you're saying. Yeah, because if you can find it in twenty seconds, great. You're going to look harder for it and then come back, right? But if you can't and you're out there the minute, then well, that sucks. Well, because like we've all done it too. We've shot the ball over. We take a hop. We look for maybe 10, 15 seconds. And then we go take the last minute and then we're right back on. So yeah. why not make it a little bit harder and then more incentive, like Nate said, to actually get the ball? If okay. You're running two minutes no matter what. So you look for it. And then if you get back in before the two minutes, you're happy, right? Okay. And I, can, I, do. I can see how that works too. If that's what we want to implement, just a timer, because if Caleb is always doing the time, as soon as the ball goes out of play, he pulls up his phone and says 836. That's how much time's left in the period. And he yells it, right? He says 836. Then everybody around knows that the player can't come back until 636. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I do like that. Okay. So is that what we're going to go with then? A two minute so, clock? Yeah, if, if that's the case, then does the ball have to be delivered back to Caleb before you can get into play or just thrown to the people on the side? I would say just thrown to the people on the side. Like, like as long as Caleb has a uh, a ball, like okay. if, if the ball is back, thrown back into someone near Caleb type thing, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, because Caleb can only hold like, he can probably only have like four or five balls on him at once. And if he's fully stocked, he won't even be able to accept the ball. So... Yeah, that's yeah. And then, yeah. As long as we know that he has the ball back, like yeah. they got the yeah. ball is back anyway. Yeah, the the guys are usually pretty good on the sideline to say whether or not they have it, have it in. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay, that'll be the rule then. 
Okay, number 10, we've kind of already gone over this, but Caleb will referee all the games. All of his calls are final, and he has the authority to call bench penalties for infractions such as unsportsmanlike conduct and too many men. That's a new one this year, uh, the, the last portion of that. What do you guys think of that? Because, you know, I just don't want Caleb to be disrespected, and I want to give him the authority to call that. No, yeah. I like Because yeah. um, then if he calls a penalty early like that, then the guys really know, like, oh, shit. Yeah. So now what happens when it's other teams beacon them from the side and not the players that are playing? Can he call a penalty to start the next game that they no. play? Or no. Okay. It's got to be Sounds within good. the game. Also, though, the last part of that rule, number 10, was that he can also call too many men on the court penalties. Because mm-hmm. we have subs this year, we were supposed to have subs last year. Only one or one team did. Uh, but that's a rule that is going to be newly implemented this year. Do you guys like that? How should we go about it? Only egregious plays should get called. Like, like How should we let Caleb tackle that? Um, I, my standpoint in that is we shouldn't need that call. It's great that it's in. And I think that it should be used as well as if somebody from our team sticks the puck when it's going by or stops the puck or the ball when it's going by the boards, like that sort of thing. I don't think we'll need it for like Tampa Bay lightning playoffs this year when there's four. Because Tampa was terrible with having six or seven guys on the ice numerous times. Like, I don't think that we're going to do that. And I don't know why they're able to or not able to follow that. But, like, uh, yeah, I think it's just more or less for sticking the puck on the side, which I think would be great to see him call. Well, the reason I thought about adding this in and did was because we're going to have a lot of on-the-fly changes. And we don't want to have guys playing the ball when another guy who's coming off still has the opportunity to play the ball so this is just something it's more of a formality like we all know normal hockey rules this applies but uh i'm just basically letting everyone know that this can be called this year because every team as far as i know is going to have a sub yeah i think i might be bringing two or three to be honest (laughs) just rotating them in and out uh i do as long as it's not like uh like if if the defensive team switches and like the the ball's still on their end and they called too many men as long as it's not like that yeah i'm fine with it yeah well yeah it, just like the nhl it's like the player who's making the change coming onto the ice if they touch it before the other guy is off like while he's still involved in the play then it's too many men but but yeah I, i'm sure Caleb will call this sparingly and it won't be an yeah. issue so it, it's just i'm just letting people know that it can be called this year uh, two more rules left. Rule number 11 is two line passes. And this one wasn't really expanded on last year. So I added some more text into the rule book for it. Relaxed two line passes will be called instead of offsides. This means that the attacking player cannot stretch past the ball from his own defensive end to a teammate who is already in the offensive zone. However, if the player crosses their own blue line, then their teammates may enter the attacking zone and accept the stretch pass. Does that make sense to you guys? Did I miss anything that I should include in, in that explanation of relaxed two-line passes? And just as long as everybody knows that once the pass is made, you can now enter the like the offensive zone and grab that puck. So as long as you're behind that second line when the pass is made, 
then you can go and get it at the far side. That's the only other thing. Right. And it's going to be Caleb calling as well, though. Yes. Yeah. It will only be Caleb calling it. He, he's not. I mean, listen, refs can inform their opinion and calls based on any type of metric they want. They they can listen to the crowd if they want. But I would advise Caleb, if he's listening to this, to be as objective as possible and to not listen to the crowd uh, whenever possible. So that's. Are we I'm able saying. to take a break here soon or what? We're almost finished. We're almost finished. This we're on the last rule here, and then I've got four quick questions that I want to rapid fire, and then we're almost we're going to be finished. We're twenty nine or so minutes in. I have diabetes. Okay. I got to go finish my round. <laughs> so we're we're we've got one more, and then I've got a few uh, rapid fire questions, and then we're done. So enough, guys. Okay, we're almost finished. Last rule in the rule book number twelve is round robin winners. Round robin winners get to choose their opponent in the semifinals, and they get to choose now the side of the court that they play in for that entire game, first and second period. This rule we wanted to implement so that round robin means something, because if you have a favorite side, and Nate was telling me that there is a better side now to play on, shooting into the field where the transport is now, because you'll lose a lot fewer balls because you'll, you have a backstop it, it rewards good teams in round robin and that's what we want to bring back really so what are your guys thoughts on that we've already had the rule where you get to choose your opponent but this is another one stacked on top of that i like that too because depending on the time of day like if it's later in the day like if the sun's going down in a certain direction you don't want your goalie looking into the sun too like i like that just kind of means a little more too um but i kind of i like the whole game too not switching sides, I like that. Okay, Adam. Um, I don't know. I feel like every other game we're switching sides, and I don't know. I would like I, to see I, switching sides, but I understand what you guys are saying. But at the same time, like in every single hockey game ever, you switch sides no matter what. I'm not closely fastened. If you want to change sides at half, yes. can you do yeah. that? Yes. yes. Okay. So you get to pick each half what you'd like to do. Exactly. So that so that's how it's written. They get to choose the side of the court that they play on in each period. So if the sun changes directions, you can you can swap sides if you want. But the point is we need to add some sort of reward or value for finishing at the top of round robin or else guys just conserve their energy all day finish last and then win we've seen that so many times and we want round robin to mean something because round robin determines you know scoring race like best defenseman best goalie that all plays a part so we want it to to really mean something that makes sense is there any, yeah, is there any questions Adam, sorry, what were you saying? I don't think that's enough to make a, a team want to do just, better round robin. Ooh, just like, wait to see where this transport's parked, though, James. <laughs> it's nice. Also, Adam, I'll say, like, what else do we really have to reward the, the winning team? Like, this is something that affects gameplay. and I reward the winning team enough. They pick who they want to play. That should be enough. Yeah, like, but even... Get- even last year, this rule's been in place for, for two, three years now, where you get to choose who you play, and, you know, teams haven't taken round-robin seriously. 
Yeah, but I don't think uh, not switching sides is going to make a team want to play better in a round robin. I don't think that's going to that. That's not what's going to do it. I don't. Maybe it doesn't, or maybe it does. Right, and that's the point. Like maybe it doesn't, but it is a slight advantage, and it's really the only one we can provide that actually affects gameplay. It just gives more choice to the winning team. Okay, fair enough. If if we're voting. I'm going to say no. Okay, do we want to run a vote? I say yes. Nate? Yeah, I'm also in. It'll it'll make me try harder in round robin. Like the, tra- <laughs> the right. transport is is it's set up nicely. <laughs> There's <Nope>. Nathan Gagne. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the master that's of a Pepsi cup after going 0 3 in the round robin. <laughs> Well, he, he wants round robin to mean something now. Okay, guys, that's the end of the rules. I've got four quick questions. I don't need an explanation at all. I just need like, you know, one sentence answers or fewer words. And how we'll do this, we'll go, uh, I'll ask a question, then I'll go Corey, Adam, Nate. Then I'll ask a question, Corey, Adam, Nate. We'll do that, and then we'll finish the podcast because it's been uh, about 34 minutes or so now, 35 minutes. Okay, so... First question, who do you think is the best team on Me. paper and your Me. early predictions to win the Me. tournament? Me. <laughs> Adam? I'm saying Chunk. Nate? I'm going myself. I'm if going with... it was with... me, I'd say Nate, too. What? Wait. So, who did you vote for? Because I'll I'll tie it. I'll say like I'll tie whoever you okay, vote for. I'll, I'll go take... Nate. I'll go Nate. Okay. So I'll go with you then. I think you guys both have good teams. Uh, goal scoring leader prediction, Corey. Who's it going to be this year? It was Harper Cody last year, shared with Jake Shankar. Yeah, and they're both not here. Hey, damn. Um, I'm gonna say McFadden. The one dollar man, Adam. I'm gonna so, go with my boy McLean. Gotta. Nate. The uh, McFadden's a really good call, but I'll have to go with my team, Zach Shanker. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go off the board for this one, uh, and I think he's gonna surprise a few players or a few people out there on uh, tournament day. I'm gonna go Emerson Cody. I think he's gonna keep it in in the Cody name. For most goals in the tournament, I think he's going to be a sneaky underdog player. Uh, Okay, best D-man in the tournament prediction. That's based on both offensive capability and defensive capability, including things like blocked shots, etc. Corey, who you got? Uh, Either of the cams. Cam Murray, Cam Brown, Cam. (laughs) Just picking his own players. (laughs) Andy Abans. Bobanders is going to get after it again. Once, Once again, he's going to get after it. Nate. <laughs> oh, I'll shoot and go with Carson Pickup. He texted me tonight and said he's playing D's, so I know many balls he's standing in front of. This is so dumb. We're all just picking our own guys for this, but I don't know what else I expected. Um, well, la- last year we were all picking each other, like everyone else's guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all really like our teams this year because we got to pick like out of the you know six guys who we're interested in, and we pretty much got them all. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Andrew Pesky, uh, for best D man goalie prediction. 
the year. Yeah, go- best goalie in the tournament prediction. This is the last question, then we'll wrap up uh, this episode. Corey, who you got as the best netminder? Um, are you playing goalie this year, Chad? I might. No, I'm not. I'm not. He ain't. He ain't. Okay, well, if you are, that doesn't change my decision, really. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say... I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Pros goes back-to-back. What do you mean? Oh, oh okay, never mind. <laughs> um, Adam's ready to fight there. Holy. Yeah. I'm going to go way off the board, who probably isn't even going to play goalie, just in case he does. Jake Brayton. Wow. Just in case, just in case he does, he says. You never know, Nate. Yeah, I think Greener's gonna have a a makeup year. He's uh, he's been doing well in Roller, say the least. Yeah, it's different. Game, bud. You're all picking your own guys again. I'll go with uh, no. Say Seb, man. No way you say Seb. No, 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 no. I'm I'm actually I'm actually not. I'm all actually right, not. I'm gonna go good. with. Jesse Robertson, if he plays goalie, if he I plays like that goalie. pick, Chad, great pick. He's the most expensive goaltender in the tournament in terms of his cap hit. I could see, I could see it happening. You know, Corey, you've built your team like you know the Florida Panthers and Bobrovsky. You've got a ten million dollar goalie, so we'll see how that. We'll see how it shakes out. Okay, anything else, guys? You want to add before we uh, hop off here? No, I'm good. Just ready to go. The no-name nailers are ready to rumble. Just wanted to say we got like four days left, and we all have subs right now, so hopefully nothing crazy happens in the next four days, and we're all healthy. Fingers crossed. No broken collarbones. (laughs) No broken (laughs) nails. Uh, okay guys well thanks so much for listening to this uh, let us explain episode of the boys in the booth podcast this time talking about the pepsi cup it's coming up this weekend and we're all very very excited thanks again for listening take care this has been another episode of boys in the booth with harper cody chad melbourne and casey abrams new episodes every monday on spotify and apple podcasts Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.